We just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us. And thank you, Lord, that you, Lord, are speaking to us in so many ways, Lord. You're speaking. Thank you, Lord God. You're showing us, Lord, the same thing over and over again. Lord, you're for us, and you have a plan. But you're asking, Lord, for us to come to you, Lord, and give it all, to seek your face, to pray, to look for you, Lord, to find you. Thank you, Lord. And then to be who you've called us to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. I just want to get right into it and uh, not delay. The Holy Spirit put a word on my heart, and I just want you to look in the Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 28. It's Matthew, chapter 28, and verse 18. And it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now this is an amazing thing that Jesus did here. Jesus spoke to his disciples and told them to do something with what he had given them. Jesus spent three and a half years with them. Jesus spent every day and night, he traveled all over with them, and he poured his very life into them. They didn't just witness Jesus doing things, he literally poured himself into them. He gave them everything. And then he told his disciples to go and do exactly what I have done in and for you. And this is a very interesting word that Jesus uses here. He didn't say, I want you to go and make converts. He didn't say, I want you to go and I want you to make uh, Christians. He didn't say, I want you to go and, and, and make this converted conversion, figure out a way to just get them to pray a prayer, figure out ways to get people to just to get into churches, figure out ways to get people to hear the message. The Lord is not opposed to us using the gifts and abilities that he's given you to use as an outlet to reach people. There, he, has gave us, he gave us all different gifts, gave us different uh, personalities, gave us different abilities. He put us in different regions. And God did all of that on purpose because you have something unique for the world around you. And that's on purpose. But what we need to be careful that we don't do is that we don't try to get people to just be converted to Jesus and never actually finish the job of making them disciples. Jesus came to his disciples very uh, quickly. Uh, We can read in the book of Matthew chapter 4, he said in verse 18, Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they were fishing, fish for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come, follow me. Jesus called Peter, and he said, come, follow me. 
and Andrew. Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And it says in verse 20, And they said the sinner's prayer and were converted. And then Jesus went on his way. (laughs) It says, And they left, everybody say they left, their nets. What does their net symbolize here? That was literally their livelihood. I mean, this was their lives. He said, come follow me. Now, why it's important, why I started in Matthew 28 is because I wanted you to hear what Jesus told the disciples to teach to you. What Jesus told the disciples to do for you and I. And that has continued. The reason that we're here is because they listened. They were obedient. There is, though, a, uh, and I'm sure it's always been, and as I'm reading the scriptures, I'm finding proof that this has always been. There is a sidelining gospel that looks like the gospel, and its whole goal is just to get people to be converted just to get people to, con- to say a prayer and, and make a confession and not necessarily to live anything out. That you don't need to, Jesus did that for you. And the word says that Jesus told them, go and make disciples. So then what does that mean? Well, let's go and look at Jesus. Let's not just come up with our own idea of what that means. Let's go to the word. We say, well, disciples this and disciples that. We come up with all this scientific stuff of what it means to be a Christian and to do this and do that. And let's just go look at what Jesus did with his disciples told them to multiply who they were, so who were they? He said, come and follow me, and it says they left at once and followed him. They left everything. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called to them too. It says in verse 22 that they, what's it say? And they immediately... When Jesus calls you, you immediately leave. You follow him and leave. They left the boat and their father behind. Now, this is interesting. They left their livelihood and even their father behind. They left what they knew. You leave your old life behind. To truly be a disciple, this is what I'm going to be talking about today. Being a true disciple of Jesus. Jesus does not say in the word to be converted, although the conversion is necessary. Come on. The conversion is necessary. You need to be converted. I am not. I want to now back up. I said, you know, I say things to shock you on purpose. I am not opposed to the sinner's prayer. I am not opposed to a conversion moment. I am not opposed to strategies on reaching people, but that is not the end. That is not the end for that person. That is only the beginning. That is a wonderful, incredible beginning. Who remembers your beginning? You'll ne- no one can ever take that away from you. That's an amazing moment. And who's had many beginnings? <laughs> I can remember that prayer more than once. And each time that I had to pray that prayer, it was special. It was a moment with God. It was a special moment to get back on track with God. And it is so important. But Jesus said to be a disciple. What I want to point out is that everybody is called first. 
Jesus comes and calls you, and then you have to respond. We know that. This is elementary, Sunday school. Yes, Jesus. Jesus offers you his life. Jesus said, here, I'll take your place on the cross. In fact, I already did it for you whether you want it or not. Will you receive it? Yes, I will receive it, Jesus. And that is literally as simple as salvation is. The man on the cross, one man is cursing Jesus. If you're so special, you're Jesus, get yourself off that cross. The other man looks over and says, don't you realize who this is? We're sinners. He recognized his sin and recognized who Jesus was. And Jesus said, today we'll be in paradise together. That is how simple salvation is. It is a recognizing of who he is and recognizing of your sin that you are, he said, we deserve this death. When you recognize that you deserve death, but Jesus doesn't and Jesus stands in the gap for you, that is salvation. That is salvation. But Jesus wants us to be disciples. This is considered the, what we call in Christianity the Great Commission. And I'm not preaching today on being a disciple outwardly. That will be another sermon. I want, you to, I want to talk to you in here about being disciples and you listening to be disciples. There is the, uh, the commissioning of it as well. But first, in order to understand what it means to go and make disciples, you must first understand what it means to be one. <laughs> in order to go and make money a particular trade, you need to understand what it means to do that trade, right? We must understand it first before we could teach anyone anything. So we must fully understand. And I thought this was interesting. I had heard many years ago that a professional is considered someone who has spent 10,000 hours in their trade. And I thought this was really interesting because I just did some really quick math. And I figured, well, if Jesus gave the disciples one day off a week, gave the Sabbath off to them, and they were with him, the other six, and just, you know, with them 10 hours a day, whatever, it would take exactly that three and a half years. And not that Jesus needs our model of 10,000 hours or any of those things, but I thought it was interesting that his apprentice program, it actually fits the model of what today would be considered a professional that you can now, after 10,000 hours, you are ready on your own without me looking over your shoulder. Nope, you're doing that wrong. Nope, you're doing that wrong. Okay, that's right. I don't need to do that anymore. You're ready to go on your own. And Jesus spent that time with him. He poured his life into them. He gave everything to them, gave them power, gave them the Holy Spirit, and then let, sent them out on their own. But for three and a half years, something happened. Jesus gave them grace, didn't he? Jesus gave them mercy, didn't he? We love Peter. We love Peter because Peter's story is filled with mistakes. And we can identify with him so much because he's making mistakes. And yet Jesus has so much grace for him and just keeps loving him and keeps dealing with it along the way. He doesn't cast him out every step of the way. Every time that Peter makes a mistake, Jesus doesn't cast him aside. Jesus pulls him in closer. He actually prays for him. He says, I prayed for you, Peter. So the Lord is looking for a person to stick with him. The Lord is not looking for perfection. He'll make that part. The Lord will perfect you. There is a perfection that comes. What he's looking for is somebody who stays close to Jesus. Peter is our example. Peter is our example of a disciple 
that stayed close to Jesus, didn't quite understand fully what was going on. He's looking at things through a human perspective. Jesus turns to him and says, Satan, get behind me. Imagine Jesus looking at you today and says, Satan, get behind me. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. I love you. That's exactly what I needed to hear. You always tell me just what I need to hear. <laughs> and yet, Jesus loved him, and Peter stayed. And I want to look at uh, a passage today in a few moments on just that. See, the Lord is really is calling us to be disciples every single believer. There are not levels of Christianity. There is not the disciple and then the convert. There is a convert who is immediately thrown into apprenticeship program. He's immediately should be discipled. Immediately. Okay, there is not. Now that I understand there are babies and the Bible tells us that the, some are drinking milk and some, he says, you should be eating meat by now. You shouldn't be drinking milk anymore. But he doesn't come against those that need the milk. Some are babies in Christ. And that is part of the process. You've heard me preach on that before. You cannot understand 12th grade math until you understand first grade math. And I apparently did not do well there. You can go and listen to some of my old math in my sermons. The point is, it builds upon itself one step at a time. And the Lord is not asking for you to be more than you are today in Him, more than He expects from you today. You worry about today. The, the tomorrow has enough to worry about on its own. You'll be who you are tomorrow. You just stay close to Jesus. So I want to make this statement. The simplest definition of a disciple is following Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Everybody say that out loud. I am a follower of Jesus. And so for this part one, I want you to ask this question though. What kind of follower am I? If a follower is a disciple, the simplest, a disciple is just a follower of Jesus. But not everybody who followed Jesus stuck with him. Jesus is looking for disciples that stick with him. In fact, he said in Revelation, he endures to the end will be saved. He who endures to the end. I think it was Revelation. He who endures to the end will be saved. He's looking for disciples that stick with him. Come on, amen. It says... Uh, that in, and I love this account in Luke. It says uh, the same story here, so I don't want to, I'm not going to read the whole passage here, but in Luke 5, we had the same account of him calling um, Peter and Andrew and James and John. And it says in verse 8 of Luke 5, it says, Simon Peter realized what had happened, and he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, Please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. And I love that he had this moment with the Lord because this is the beginning of discipleship. The beginning of discipleship. To be a disciple of Christ, you first must come to the same place that we all have had to come to, that the man on the cross came to. And here's Peter. I'm a sinful man. And he says that his partner's and, uh, James and John, and they were also amazed. And he said, don't be afraid. In verse 10, 
From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And it says, and as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So conversion and then thrusts into a different life. There is a conversion moment and then an abandonment of everything else. And if Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and I want you to make converts, then right here on the boat, Jesus would have then said, okay, we're done. My job's done and that's it. Now that doesn't mean that you in the mall can't pray a prayer with someone and that your job is not done. I'm not saying that your job is not that. There might be someone else, one waters, right? One plants, one waters, right? One harvests. So I don't want you to get confused that you need to then take that person. You personally have to take that person to a church. It might not be your job. Your job may have just been witnessing to that person. Your, may, your job may be, have been them coming to this place where they say, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. But the point is that for a believer, what Jesus wants is for believers to become disciples. That is the goal of conversion to get them converted into a disciple. Is this making sense so far? And I hate to be a little, just I'm I'm going over that over and over on purpose because I want you to hear this. The Holy Spirit wants us to hear this today. So disciple means, though, more than just following along as the spectators did. There were many that followed Jesus and did not stick with him. And I'm going to go to one of the chapters that strikes me so much, and I preach on it here and there uh, more than other chapters because it is so powerful. And it's the book of John, chapter 6. And just want to turn there quickly, and we're not going to read the whole, it's a big, big chapter. Um, But it says in John, chapter 6, verse 2, Everybody say following. It says a huge crowd kept following him. Well, that was interesting because Jesus said when he called Peter and he called Andrew and he called James and he called John and then there was another where he calls Levi and it says that they left everything and they followed him. But the key is when they became disciples is that they left everything. It wasn't just simply following along. What we cannot do as Christians is follow Jesus and try to keep our old lives. And it's very subtle. It's very, very subtle that we can do that. But it says that there was a huge crowd that kept following him wherever he went. This looks today. Well, I'll leave that there. Yes, you can use your imagination. Because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Jesus was touching people. There was a revival in that town. And then from town to town. But right here in this particular town where he is, there's a revival happening. People are getting excited about Jesus. Jesus does two things for you. When you hear the name of Jesus or see the name of Jesus, it does two things. Either A, you get incredibly enraged, and we've all encountered people <laughs> that can't, they just get, there's no rhyme or reason except it is demonic. That's all it is. You need to understand that that's not weird. We don't have to be weirded out by that. It's just the Bible says that there are two fathers. There is either the father and then there's the father, the devil. 
That's it. Jesus told uh, the Jews that were supposed to be following Christ, those that in fact were supposed to be teaching about Christ, he said, you don't love me. You don't want me. You even want to kill me because your father's the devil. (laughs) I didn't say it. Jesus did. And so there is this thing happening here. The Lord is touching people. The Lord is doing a miracle. The Lord is calling people and uh, people are coming and he's healing them and speaking to them and touching them and their lives are being touched. And then he does something in verse 11. It, well, actually, he does something previous to verse 11. He actually feeds them, right? And then it says, he took the loaves in verse 11 and he gave thanks to God and he distributed to the people and he did the same with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted. So the Lord has a revival happening and even feeds them. There's a crowd following after Jesus. Jesus is exciting. This is the crowd that's not rejected. There was a crowd then too. It's, not, it's no different today as it was then. There were those that just said, no, I don't want you. There were those. Even back then, as Jesus in the flesh, I don't want anything to do with you. You're a devil. They called him a devil himself. You're a devil. And then there's a crowd, just like there is today, that follows along. Come on. Wow. This is incredible. You guys, are you listening today? (laughs) And I know you guys are the church, so this is just an encouragement I'm not chastising anyone. Just let the Holy Spirit do whatever he's doing in your heart, but he's encouraging us today to keep following, to be true disciples because there was a crowd that followed along and they wanted to be around him and even Jesus even blessed them and fed them freely without any demand on them. You can hang around God. You can hang around him. You can follow him and even experience his blessings and not be a disciple of Christ. Isn't that, isn't that incredible and also very weird? <laughs> this is very odd, and yet this is the Bible. Come on, I didn't write it. I'm just a preacher of it. It says, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. Stating that Jesus is who he is is not enough. It's not enough to just state who he is. He's God. He's Jesus. Because it says in verse 22 that the next day, the crowd, the very same crowd, come on, everybody say the same crowd that was all excited and was, had a revival happening and they just hung out with Jesus. And I heard someone preach recently that this was interesting. They were so, it had been three days. They hadn't eaten. The Lord's like, we got to feed these guys. They've been with me for three days. They haven't eaten. Imagine being so excited about the things of God. Who's ever forgot about food for three days? So excited about God. This is some crowd. This is some revival happening here on this hill. Come on. I'm just being real. This is a real revival happening here. They forgot to eat, and the Lord's like, let's feed them. But it says, the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore, they saw the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had gone with them. And it says they found him in verse 25 on the other side of the lake. And they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, verse 26, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be, cons- but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. You know, many people, they come to Jesus. What can I get from you? And even I was having this conversation with the band beforehand. 
And I've been guilty of this too. We all have. Lord, we cannot go into worship services and worship experiences for feelings. That is perishable. Your emotions, I thank God, God has given us emotions. But love, even, love is not an emotion. There's an emotion of love that's attached to real love. Real life is laying your, li- your life down. That's what the Bible says. Bible definition, not the dictionary's definition. So love is not a feeling, it's not an emotion, but then there are emotions that are attached. There's an outward of it, but real love is, I don't care what I feel, I'm willing to lay my life down for you. That's real love. So there is an emotion that we can get in a worship experience, but there is the, a real worship, which is the choice to say, I'm man, or if you're a woman, you still came from man, that's what I mean. You're human, <laughs> that's what I meant. And you're God, and I'm going to worship you. I'm going to give you praise. I don't care how I feel. I don't care if I'm tired. I don't need goosebumps. I don't need tears. I'm going to worship you. Now, if you get the bonus, if you have some of the emotional experience, that's great. But that doesn't mean that that was worship. Worship was what was coming out of your heart to his heart. And the other stuff is just the body's body's just catching up. Body's sensing some of the things that are happening internally. But it doesn't have to. We look around and we go, that person's not crying. He's not worshiping. (laughs) That person's not jumping up and down, so they must not be having experience with God. That's silliness, guys. That's silly. The point is, amen is right. But the Lord's speaking today, isn't he? He says, don't be concerned with the natural and the physical. Don't follow me for a feeling. Don't follow me so your stomach can be full. Don't follow me for things and for stuff. It doesn't mean I won't give you them. Come on, the Lord, did he ask, did, did he condemn them for giving it to him, them? Did he say, well, let me give them something today. I'm going to trick you tomorrow. <laughs> Come on, that's not the Lord. And that's not what he did, was it? He gave you freely. It's what you do with it. It's what we do with it. He gave himself freely. It's what we do with what he gave us. Come on. That's the word. And it says, he said, God the Father, he said, verse 27, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Just seek him, right? For for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And they replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Man, God's word is so good. There's so much truth and life in it. Come on. There's so much life in his word. Sometimes we just, we, we read through it. I encourage you, whether you understand it or not, and if you're listening out there in cyberspace, just keep reading it. You don't need to understand it. You just keep reading it and reading it and reading it. But the Holy Spirit, when you need it, the Holy Spirit will bring out, so, there's so much truth. He is the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of truth, and there's so much truth here. He's saying to us, here they're, now they want him for his stuff, and they want him for his works. What can we do? I, wanna, I don't care really to know about you. <laughs> I don't really care who you are. I, I don't really need to know. I don't need to know everything about Jesus. What do I need the Old Testament for? 
That's just a whole bunch of stuff about God. Just tell me how I can do works. Just tell me how I can get fed. And I just want to get a feeling. And I just want to get, I don't need to know about it. I just, just tell me the works. Jesus told him in verse 29, is this okay? Yeah, I got one. Mm-hmm. One. All right, so I'm going to keep going anyway. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. This is the simplicity of discipleship, simplicity of the gospel. And it doesn't mean that the outworkings, come on, he, did, did he really want us to not have outworkings? The disciples, they do miracles everywhere they go. And they're fed and sustained by him everywhere they go. In fact, God commands us to be sustained by him. In fact, Jesus says, that's the, and I've said this so many times, that was the issue with the Israelites is that they didn't get it, that God wanted to just sustain them and, and feed them and so that they didn't have need, so they could just focus on him and they missed that and told us that we should be living like that. So here the actual issue was not the food. It was not him sustaining and it was not the desiring, I mean, not the uh, workings that were coming. It was the desire to want Jesus for those things and not just want him for him. When we just walk with Jesus and want him for him, the outworkings come naturally. The feeding comes naturally. In fact, God will still do both either way because he loves his people. But then you get a little surprise. You got to knock on your door one day by the Lord. And you go, Lord, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, I, this, is, this is weird. What do you mean you want correction in me? You're blessed. I can see your blessing and I can see the miracles. He says, yeah, because I love the people that are looking at you so much. I don't want them to get off. But it doesn't mean that you and I internally uh, are just supposed to be about that. I want a relationship with you. I want to know you, and I want you to know me. Amen? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow, that's a breathful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He says, this is the only work I want from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Believe in Jesus. A lot of times, see, we take verses like this out of context. They go, see, all that Jesus said is believe. You can't just take one verse out of the Bible and out of the context of everything else. Because we just saw that he said in Matthew 28, be a disciple. And then he said to uh, him in chapter 4 to Peter, he said, come be my disciple, come follow me. And they left everything. So when he says here that all you have to do is believe, is he lying? He's not lying. He's just not, he's not sitting you down and telling you everything about the gospel all in this one statement. But we cannot take things, and this is for somebody out there listening, you cannot take the scriptures out of context and just say, well, the scriptures just say all I have to do is believe. Well, yes, you do have to believe because when Peter left his net and they left their father and they left their business and they left everything, I'm pretty sure they believed Pretty sure they believed enough to leave it all behind. So absolutely, it is as simple as belief. It's also real belief. Because this crowd believed Jesus too, enough to stay with him for three days and forget that they were hungry. You can believe Jesus. The Bible says that the demons believe and they tremble. It's not just belief like the dictionary defines the word belief. 
It's belief like the Bible defines it. We need to be careful that we define uh, ideas in Christianity by the word and not by dictionaries and not by society. It's by the word of God. So they said to him, verse 30, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? (laughs) Jesus replied, I'm the bread of life. I mean, we understand what that means. If only, actually my heart breaks, I wish that they could understand what he meant when he said this. Because now that we know it, wow, that's all I need. That's all I need. He's the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me, he says in verse 36. It says, verse 41, then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Wait a second. Is this the same crowd that had a revival? You mean it's possible to have revival? It's possible to follow Jesus, and then Jesus says something that irritates you? Something that, was Jesus lying? Jesus told the truth. He always told the truth. He always tells the truth. Sometimes we've been following Jesus, but then we find that verse we don't like. Or someone says something to you that you don't like that's from a verse that you don't like. And what happens is it says they begin to murmur in disagreement from what he said. Jesus said in verse 47, I tell, I'm just breezing through chapter 6 here. It may not feel like breezing to you, but it is for me. My mind works like this. <laughs> 45 minutes here is like six hours in my mind. I tell you the truth, verse 47, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. And anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. And he says, I'm the living bread, and you need to eat my flesh in verse 51. And in verse 52, it says the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How, and they start trying to think of it mentally. You cannot try to figure it out. If you try to figure Jesus out, if you will only follow him as far as your mind understands, you won't follow him very long. You have to follow him up to that point where your mind got it, and then you have to cross that divide. You got to cross. You have to do what Peter did. Come on. I'm not taking away from the other disciples. just easier to say Peter right there. You got to do what he did and leave it all behind. Jesus is not looking for converts. He's looking for disciples that were converted. He's looking for conversioned disciples. That's what Jesus wants. But what happens is Jesus, and I've said this before, eventually Jesus will offend you. That's a good thing. You want him to. He does not offend your spirit. He just offends your flesh. Come on. Just like your spouse offends you. Come on. Ephesians. Why is that so funny? You're not supposed to laugh, man. Let the women laugh. Men don't laugh. (laughs) You got a lot to learn. (laughs) You don't laugh. You let the women chuckle. Come on, man. 
You think it inside. You keep that internal. <laughs> you got to keep that inside, even though it's true. The Bible says it's a great mystery, us joining with Christ. Who can understand this mystery? And then he says it's the same exact mystery for a husband and wife. What happens? You're so close to each other. You're so close that you have the ability to irritate each other more than anybody else on the planet. But if you let that irritation get to you, you end up in divorce. If you let that irritation teach you something that says, wow, you know what? I'm going to let this one go. Wow. Wow. And let's just, now let's bring it to the spiritual side. Wow, Jesus. It is possible that you know more than me. It's possible, Jesus. Not men and women, I know. We're not going to give them that today. They got the chuckle. It's possible you know more than me. So I'm going to let you be boss today. I'm going to yield. I'm going to yield. What Jesus does is he pushes you to that place. Come on, being converted is easy. Converted is easy. Because he says, here's all my stuff. <laughs> here's everything. I'll, everything. You don't have to do anything. Here's everything. Come on. Being converted is easy. Walking with them is hard. And you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, that sounds like heresy to me. Let me just take you to a verse. It says, verse, Matthew chapter 16, it says in verse 24, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it, it says. Let's go to another one. It says in Luke 9, the same thing. If you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross daily and follow me. He said in John chapter 8, if you want to be my disciple, verse 31, you have to remain faithful to my teachings. He says, if... He says, uh, John chapter 8, verse 31, he says, you need to abide in my word, and then you're my disciples. In Ephesians 5, it tells us to imitate God in everything we do. It says, in verse 2, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. In verse 6, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Verse 7, don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. Live as people of light, and so on. There's, just, there's more here. There's more, but I don't have time. I encourage you to go read that whole chapter. And he says, I want to find this one verse here as well. He says, Luke 9, chapter 57, uh, Luke 9, verse 57, it said, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, verse 58, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then verse 59, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. 
And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And he says a lot of things just like this. (laughs) I just breeze through a bunch of them. Come on. It's the real gospel. We cannot be fooled by a false, fake gospel. Your conversion was incredible, but he's talking about being disciples here. Disciples. And you can follow him to a point. You can be excited. There can be a revival. There can be blessing. You can have an experience with God. And yet, when it really comes down to the stuff that you don't understand, the stuff you can't get with God, stuff you don't like, you must lay down your arms at that moment. Let's look here back in Luke chapter 6. They begin to argue again, and he tells them, you need to eat my flesh, drink my blood. And it says, verse 60, many of his disciples said, and I thought this was interesting because he's talking about the crowd. There was a crowd going on, but then in verse 60, it says, many of his disciples said, come on, let's see that, say that again. Many of his disciples said, I'm sorry, this is John chapter 6, verse 60. This is a very, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus loves you so much, and he wants to know you so much, and he wants you to know him so much. He said, Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend ascend to heaven again? Verse 63, the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but some of you do not believe me. It says, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. And verse 66, John 6.66, it says, at this point, many of his disciples, and this is the key word, in verse 60, we're talking about this crowd, this huge crowd, and we got narrowed down to disciples. And it's this, the only thing we can see here is that there is actually disciples. There were even disciples. There was the crowd. And then there were disciples who said, it says, at this point, many of his disciples. So Jesus had more than 12. Jesus had more than 12 that weren't even in the crowd. There was a crowd of excitement. There was a crowd that loved to be around Jesus and loved the idea of Jesus and loved Jesus' stuff. Who loves Jesus' Jesus's stuff? I mean, I love his stuff because I know him. I, I, I love the life that I have in him, and I love the sustenance and the provision and the protection I have in him. I just don't love the stuff more than him. 
But there is a crowd that, that doesn't even know yet until the Lord starts dealing with your heart. That's how we know if we're really just following Jesus to be around him and we want his stuff or if we want to be around him. Once he starts dealing with those internal issues, the things of your heart, the stubbornness, the rebellion, the pride, the will inside you, the hurts, the forgiveness you will not give. The Lord's going to go to that place. That's the very place that he's headed for when he enters into your life. It takes time sometimes because he's getting there. He's sorting through some of other things first in you, but he's heading towards that issue, that thing in you that you will not give up. I'm not giving this to God. That's the very place he's headed in you. And it says that at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And you can't say, well, that must have been some of the 12, because in verse 67, it says, then Jesus turned to the 12. So there was a group of people, there was a crowd, and then there were disciples, and then there's the 12. Everybody okay? Everybody's just tired, right? You're not mad at me, right? He said, are you also going to leave? So the Lord, listen, this is the Bible, not me. Jesus is saying to you, okay, let's just read the word. I'm not saying anything. Jesus is looking at his 12 right here, and he asks us the same question. Are you going to leave? And we're going to answer the same way that the disciples do. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? To where would we go? Lord, there's nothing else and there's no one else. You're it. I'm not just a flippant disciple. I'm not the crowd. I love that you've taken care of me. I love that you're with me. I love that you never forsake me. I love that you love me. But I'm not going anywhere just because I don't understand right now. They didn't understand. They didn't understand the cross either. If you really, really understand the scriptures, they didn't get what Jesus was saying yet either. Because Jesus tries to stop Jesus. I mean, wow. Peter, Jesus tries to stop Jesus. Peter tries to stop Jesus from going to the cross. That's when Jesus says to him, Satan, get behind me. So that means that when Jesus said this to them, this very hard thing to understand, and people just left. You know what? This seems like extracurricular Jesus. This, seems, this is like, you know, higher level. I'll just stay down here. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a Christian who stops. There's no such thing as a Christian who gets to a certain point and says, this is far enough for me. You are not a Christian. I just got to be blatantly truthful from the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that if I don't tell you the truth, the blood's on my hands. I'd rather tell you the truth and you hate me, which I know you don't. But I'd rather say the truth and you don't like me strongly. And I have no blood on my hands, but you've heard the truth. A real believer, a real disciple does not stop. No matter what the Lord asks of you, no matter what the Lord asks from you, you keep going with him. And he said, we believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. It's incredible, isn't it? Let's stand. Lord, I thank you and praise you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are calling disciples Thank you, Lord. Lord, we are converted. And I thank you, Lord. That moment was the most important first moment in our walk, Lord. It was, it's impossible to be a disciple without 
being converted, without recognizing our sin and laying it all down and, and turning to you, Lord. It's impossible. We thank you, Lord, and we'll never, ever forget that moment. But I thank you, Lord, that you told us to be disciples. And a disciple means laying everything down, leaving everything behind, even in our mind, Lord God. Even, that's probably the hardest place for us, is laying down our ties, Lord, to our past, to our family, and to our things, and our stuff, Lord. But you called us to be disciples who leave it all behind and who keep following you. And Lord, when we recognize, just as they did, Lord, and that's what we're going to keep professing and living out, Lord. It's a lifestyle of profession. It's a confession, Lord, of life, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that we confess. We have believed and confess, not with words, but with a life, Lord, that glorifies you and that's living for you and that is willing, Lord, for you to speak anything into our heart and for us to say, yes, Lord, we will not turn away. I thank you, Lord. We are fit for the kingdom. I thank you, Lord, because we do not put our hands to the plow and say, this is too, I cannot go any further, Lord. You're asking too much of me. But I thank you, Lord, that just as you laid down your life and sacrificed everything, Lord, for us, and you told us to be imitators of you, we thank you, Lord, that you are asking us to do the same thing and with the same power that you had, the Holy Spirit in us, helping us to do it. We keep walking with you, Lord. We keep following you. We will stay your disciples in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.